You are locked into another episode of Meg Talks, the people's platform home to queer POC millennial conversation. Big up yourself if you're locked in for the first time and manners and respect if you're locked in for another episode. You know, I appreciate the love. Thank you so much. Um, you can listen to every single episode on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor, where they're about the place. But the best thing you can do is head over to my Instagram account, Make Talks Online, and there's a link in my bio and you can pick whichever platform you choose. Anyway, I am here with artist, DJ, and audio engineer, Taylor Made It in the building! We made it. Yeah. Saturday morning. Hey, listen, (laughs) it is a mask fiasco in this bitch today, and I fucking love it. Taylor, what's going on, man? Man, life is good. Life is busy, it's hectic, but Mm. that's the nature of, of this stuff, but... Yeah, I'm I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Like, I was telling you, I'm like, you got me out here on a Saturday morning, but I really <laughs> respect and love what you do. Like I saw all your stuff on Instagram and um I'm really happy that you asked me to come on. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So little backstory, peeps. So I met Taylor it's probably what, about four, six weeks ago. Yeah. Um, just at, at some random club in my area. And yeah. do you know what? Just this is what I like about being outside because you don't know I'm not outside like this. Like I'm low, I'm low key at the night show. I'm about to pull you out now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm low key at the night show. So every now and again, I come outside and it's just nice because I get to meet people and just connect and build my build my network. And so we switched Instagrams. When I was looking at the Instagram account, I said, Hold on a minute now, you got some interesting (laughs) things going on now, and I want to talk about it. So just kind of looking at your repertoire, you've DJed for IMDDB, you've done audio engineering for Diggity, D, um, Kano, Ray, and these are all these are all artists that I absolutely love, absolutely yeah. love. Um, so we had to have a conversation about it, especially because um, you would have worked, um, you'd have done some work with Kano and stuff like that. And for me personally, that's what that's that one of the godfathers of grime for me. I come from an era where Kano gets gigs um dizzy wily i'm missing bad people that these are like the four five forefathers of grime when i take it back to lord of the decks lord of the mics all of that stuff like kano was there so in me it, i've got an invested interest selfishly yeah. in that but um first and foremost i'm a de- detecting an accent where are you from <laughs> let's get to, let's get to that yeah i'm uh normally in the uk i say i'm from washington dc um i was born there but i'm from the dmv like what's that since i've got a bit of extended time to explain as mm-hmm. instead of being at a party like oh yeah i'm just from washington dc but i'm from the dmv a lot of uk people don't really know what that is um it refers to the tri-state area um between three states dc maryland and virginia um so i was born in dc grew up in maryland spent a lot of time playing basketball in virginia and all the states i went to school in dc mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff so they're all really kind of interconnected so yeah. okay so that's that's just let's talk about that for a little bit yeah. growing up so firstly what what age did you come to the uk uh, i came here about 10 years ago okay so, so yeah. not long so you've spent the majority of your life Back in the States. Well, it depends on... <laughs> so I graduated from college back home, mm-hmm, right, right? right? So I came here when I was about 22. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, so let's get into it, man. So what was life What was life growing up like for you back back home? Life was... It was... It was It was interesting. Is like I think I was thinking about it on the way here and just sort of like how 
moving to the UK, you know, when I became an adult versus where I grew up and how everything's like quite different and how I've evolved and the nature of the things I do have really changed. Because growing up, I was very like, I came from a family. My parents are first generation to get degrees, to move out, you know, to kind of make it mm-hmm. and find some success and and and, and be able to create a, a better life for my brother and I. Um, so I, I kind of come from kind of overachieving parents. So like it was get good grades, you know, do the best you can in anything that you do, excel, all that kind of stuff. And they weren't like crazy, like pressure parents, you know, like mm. you must get straight A's or anything like that. Like they were really cool. But there was definitely always like a standard that we tried to achieve. So I was working really hard at school. I'm getting good grades. I'm trying to go to the best schools. Mm. I played basketball. That was a big part of my life growing up. Like I was an elite basketball player from like when I was 10, 11, 12, started okay. playing when I was five, mm-hmm. like working most of my early years towards getting a full scholarship to go to a top tier D1 college mm-hmm. um, and and be able to play basketball and, okay. and all that kind of stuff. So my life was very like kind of focused and um, I, I don't want to say rigid, but it's interesting to compare it to what I, what I do now. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm... I'm a lit guy. I like to go out. I like to party. I like to spend time with friends. I like to like explore music and have adventures. And it's a much more sort of free life um, as opposed to basketball practice every day. Sometimes two different teams, like spending five hours in the gym on a Sunday. Because I was gonna, I was gonna lean into this whole conversation around um, basketball because yeah. obviously in the UK it's football. Yeah, it's it's football and. To be fair, I think things have changed where um, girls and women in football, mm. you know, that that's just a standard protocol now. And there's international teams where women are represented in football slash soccer. But basketball, for me, it wasn't until what I hit queerness that I even really thought of <laughs> basketball being a thing. Do you know where I'm coming yeah, from? Because it, 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 it was the swag that caught me in because I started right? to get into the baggy shorts and, and I said, hold on, but what's the actual sport about? I've, my entry yeah. point's a bit backwards. So I think from a UK perspective, our relationship with basketball is different. Even yeah. the way that sports plays out, it's an extracurricular activity that happens outside of school unless you go to like a mm. fee paying school. However, in the States, you know, you can be gifted at a particular thing and then get a scholarship in sports and then that takes you through education into yeah. um professional professional sports. Yeah. So like just talk us through a little bit from a from a very practical point of view. You play sports at school. So how does explain how it works. Yeah, how how does that yeah. how do the two things come together? Yeah, because that was one I didn't have many expectations when I moved to the UK, but I think one culture shock was the culture around sports here and how it's different. Mm. But like growing up back home it's just, it's 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 very normal for kids to be involved in sports, you know, to the extent that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's basketball courts everywhere, where in 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 the way that you guys have football fields right, everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when I come here and I want to go and shoot some hoops, I'm 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 gonna be shooting. There will be basketball hoops, but it's still a a football, football court. court. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Mm. So um, yeah, but it's just maybe you go to summer camp basketball camp mm. tennis camp baseball camp soccer camp football camp you know mm-hmm. um 
and you're involved in sports throughout school and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a very um, uh, sort of competitive aspect to sports and things back home. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't think it's like necessarily, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think I, life is competitive. Yeah. It's, but in, mm. it's a, just a different thing. Um, sometimes when I play sports over here, people are just like, let's just have fun. And I think that's good too. It's, it's different, you know? <laughs> this sounds like a participation award, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, so but, like, but I think, mm. but I'm, I'm speaking more in terms of casual situations. Yeah, yeah. I did play basketball here and it was, it was mm. legit, you know. So I like, was out here for sure. So is like sports, the same like, for example, with you of basketball, is it attached to the curriculum or was it, or were you doing it like outside of school? Because this is where my mind's trying to understand like, how do people get scholarships on the premise of being gifted at sports? Because... Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, because I'm like, if you see what a PE lesson looks like in the UK, yeah. it's going to be very difficult for you to get a scholarship on the premise of the level of sporting that we do. Because mm. you have PE, I think, like once a week or something like that yeah. for like maybe 60 minutes, and that really is about it. And you may be able to join like... um if the school competes, so if yeah. they've got like a running team or whatnot, you might compete. And so, but is, for you, was basketball part of the curriculum, hence how you were like going to pursue it at, at college level? It's not, it's not, it's not strictly a part of the curriculum. Okay. Curriculum. Like academics and athletics are separate, mm. but there, there is, um, especially when you get to the collegiate level that, you know, they kind of have to communicate if that makes sense so mm. in high school it's not as it's intense but it's not as intense as a collegiate level where you're getting a 40k a year scholarship right you right, know right 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 and right, so right. so um there the, the the high school that i went to and most schools there's a requirement for you to participate in some sports kind of like pe Understood. type mm -hmm. of thing mm -hmm. um but the reason why i think it plays such a role in the u.s is because there's a lot of money in athletics. So if I speak about the collegiate level, um, obviously we're getting scholarships, but there are donors. So one of the very interesting things that we had to do as athletes is we had to sort of court donors. We had to have donor dinners. There would be people with money that were fans of the team that would invite us over to their right, house for dinner. Right. And we go do that. And it's, you know, a lot of them are cool. and it's But it's, you know, like... They're gonna donate to the basketball program, which then feeds into the school. And now, what? Now I can see the the link. Yeah, athletics mm -hmm. is big money in the U.S. And then when you get to the professional level, it's crazy. But mm. even the school that I went to was a mid-sized school. They're all different sizes of schools. They can be. They can still be highly competitive. But I went to like a mid-sized school, and if you saw the arena, it's huge. So mm -hmm. imagine if that arena sells out mm -hmm. tickets for the games. Yeah, that's lit. That yeah. that that's really cool. Talking about um sports, hmm. I actually um what day is it today? Saturday. So on Wednesday, I actually watched a Britney Griner Griner? Britney Griner? Yeah, mm -hmm. an interview with her. Um and it was like a press conference. Um she just got back home. All the all the press were out interviewing her, okay, what's Welcome going back. on next? Yeah. Yeah. By this time, you know, she got a trim. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She's got that mini afro going on. And yeah. this is a, and it's interesting because while she was um locked up, I'd spoken about the situation a couple of times. Mm. But once she come back, it's kinda like it dropped off of my 
radar radar. And that. So on, on Wednesday, as part of like my, my homework, I said, look, I need to sit down and take in a few interviews, mm-hmm. um, just stylistically learn. Yeah. So I was watching um, Girl King. You know, mm-hmm. good, 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 good girl king. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I started off with the whole R. Kelly interview, which was madness. Now, I've seen that interview bad times, <laughs> but I wanted to look at it from a critical interview, interviewer, interviewee. Yeah. And then whilst I was kind of on my girl king shit, um, she was talking about she had a conversation with Britney Griner. And I was like, and now I'm trying to find it. I'm like, I didn't hear about this. Yeah. But it was, Me neither. But it was offline. Oh, okay. So it was like a maybe like a private interview that she had, gotcha. but she actually had an interview with Britney's wife, mm. right? Which was in, uh, which was interesting. So I watched that, and I'm like, now, nah, now I need to see what Britney's what Britney's saying now. So, as someone from the states, someone who has got uh, affinity with basketball, how did it feel to kind of watch that whole Britney Grinder situation unfold? And then obviously she's over in. Russia getting treated terribly, you know. What What are your perspectives and opinions on time. that? I mean, it's, it's it's just a shame. Like, mm. that was scary. And uh, I felt for her. I mean, obviously, as a, as a women's basketball player, a lot of times, professionally, you make more money overseas, mm. right? So she's just trying, going over there, trying to make her money and stuff happens. I don't know the specific, like, yeah, yeah. details of it all. So, mm. I, you know, I can't... Um, you know, I, I, I thought it was crazy that because I did a bit of learning because I wanted to know why is her black gay self over in this country? This this is the first thing that That's I didn't why. understand. Then I'm understanding that because the uh, budget, the NWA, NWA, yeah. yeah, their budget is significantly lower for women. So to top it up, they tend to do off-season work elsewhere. Yeah. And this is where the slip happened now because she had a Freudian slip in her bag. Yeah, and that's it was, exactly yeah, yeah. what it was. <laughs> and it like, was, not here. Yeah, Especially yeah. not you, Brittany Griner. Yeah, like, yeah. they're going to take I advantage mean, if, of if, that If it was like Ivanka, you know, Trump's daughter. Yeah, she, they would have said, they would have said, what bag? Yeah. Say, what, what bag? She ain't got no <laughs> bag. But yeah. they said, Brittany, this is your bag. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I did a bit of research just to kind of better understand that. And I think it would be, uh, it was interesting in my last interview that I watched with her. She said she ain't traveling again to do no basketball. She's mm. staying right here. And I said, that's right. Canada, yeah, yeah. Don't go nowhere. Um, yeah. But I do, but I think it did open up broader conversations around women in sports, mm. how protected they are. And it was crazy when they were trying to do the negotiation because they had, they were trying to negotiate a big old gunman for a basketball player. Yeah. I said, well, that's not equal exchange. Yeah. It's not equal exchange. So it's crazy, man. She's not hurting nobody. At all. But when I was listening to her um, in the interview, mm. damn, bro. Damn. Yeah. Like, I think there's two things happening. Firstly, the power of sports. Mm. Because when you're performing at that level mm. uh, and the intensity of that training, yeah. It's kind of like that David Goggins mindset in that you're able to kind of switch off from what reality is and focus on what you need to focus and also push through the pain. So yeah. I think her resilience, uh, her resilience allowed is, her to make it through that. Situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of us would have been, we would have been in there bawling, <laughs> crying in Russian, trying to, yeah. you know, it, it wouldn't have been a good look for us. But yeah. I think that that was a big part of like the sporting really set her up in a good way for her mind to That's a good point. deal with that. Because I think through basketball is the first time that I experienced and kind of learned what flow state is. All right, you talk know? on that. Like just the, exp- as I understand it, the experience of being fully present. It's mm-hmm. like, we call it, I think in sports or in basketball, you might call it like 
being in the zone. And I've read books about the flow state and things like that. And it's something that I experience in music as well, which I think is part of why I've been drawn to music after being really focused on basketball. But mm -hmm. just that ability to really silence out everything and really focus on the moment and mm -hmm. things. And I imagine, I mean, I don't know how much she could really enter that, you know, in that situation, but um, kind of the awareness, self-awareness and sort of diligence and um, like you said, ability to push through pain and all that kind of stuff. It mm -hmm. all sort of ties together and is important mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're playing elite level sports. And you know, there's a lesson to be learned in all of us because all of us here sitting in this room are, we're ambitious. We have, we got yeah. goals, we got dreams, we're, and we're on our way. It's not even like we're sitting at the, side, the sideline trying to write up the script that we're, we're active in Doing our it. thing, right? <laughs> but mind yourself, know yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Literally know yourself because I can't take that kind of L. If I'm absolutely, I, I'm not built for it. That hurts. Um, and I, I, then then I was thinking, imagine her wife. Yeah. Imagine if this was one of us and it's our wife. I don't home. want to. Bruh. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. It's in, it's important. And it, sometimes you I'm get- I'm so happy she's back though. Cause that's, that's some next level shit. She will forever be different. That's mm -hmm. one of those those life changing scenarios where um, there's no, there's only recovering and healing. But you can't forget that. No, nah. you know, I, I would love to sit down and have a a real in depth conversation with Brittany to say, I want to know what was you will what was <laughs> happening. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I what I want to know is the first seventy two hours. Yeah, that first seventy two hours from. Um, you know when they they put you in cuffs? Mm. What was going on? That those first seventy those first thirty two hours must have been horrendous. Yeah, you know where I'm coming from because there's that hope that you might be going home. Then there's this kind of self righteousness that, yeah. that you have as I think it had athlete. to be sorry. I think it had to be super scary when it was a week and two weeks because she probably thought okay like. This is fucked up, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm going to get pulled out eventually type of thing. When she realized that this wasn't going to be resolved soon, that had to be terrifying as mm -hmm. well. Because mm -hmm. like, oh shit, I could be here for for a long time. But what, are they trying, they, what are they trying to give her? Like nine years or some? I can't yes. remember. It was like nine years. When and I first saw that, I was like... And then it, the the she wasn't even getting sent to just for example I don't know let me say this so the way that the prison system is set up in the UK it's not going to be anything like that she was sentenced for nine years but hard labour mm. so she was going to what in my mind was going to be some kind of version of like a Guantanamo Bay yeah. type shit where they're purposely putting you through some physical stuff it's almost like a torture punishment mm. in that respect so it's I'm glad that she. Didn't have to go through that, but I learned the lesson via her. Mm. Careful. Absolutely. There there shall be no spliffs on vacation. <laughs> the way my mom. She called your Every ass. Every time I travel <laughs> after this, make sure that I'm like, I don't travel with none of that. Like, you right. can relax. She's like, okay, but just make sure. I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. She's like, oh, we don't want no Britney Grime. Like, don't worry, mom. It's going to be okay. Like. I'll be sitting on here looking. I'm like Taylor. Yeah. We already spoke about this. <laughs> so tell me, where did where did music come into play in terms of you being serious that this is a viable avenue avenue mm. for you to actually pursue? And actually, you've got a gift in this. Um, 
It's really interesting because I think I knew from when I was very young that it was something that I would like to do. But I don't think that I really took it seriously or, or saw it as something that I could do. At the same time, I knew that basketball was something I wanted to do. And that was much more of a very sort of common path. So I pursued it, but I was always engaged in music um, from a young age. My grandfather was the musical director for Aretha Franklin, and he was a composer and arranger at Motown. He worked with Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, all these greats. So growing up, I spent a lot of time in Detroit in his basement, which had all the instruments, and he would teach up-and-comers jazz and things down there. So me and my brother just would always have a field day there with music, and he'd try to teach me some stuff mm. and how to play the saxophone and everything. I didn't really hold on to a lot of those, <laughs> the the like saxophone and stuff, but the the interest in music and passion for music kind of started there. And then I started DJing when I was 12, and so I was still sort of holding on to it and making mixes and all that kind of stuff and just exploring music um, throughout my life and kind of crate digging, whether it's online or vinyl and all that kind of thing. So it was always there. Played I DJed in college while I was playing basketball and stuff in the off season. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it was crazy because as much as it was still always there, I wasn't really engaging with it in a as a career path, you know, it's something mm -hmm. that I could do with my life. But I think I was always online looking at DJ sets and kind of seeing that DJs and music producers were starting to make a career for themselves. So I found online randomly some school in LA that taught music production and I was like oh this is interesting I just asked for a leaflet like an email to find out more and then um somebody from the school called me a stranger I don't know this person wasn't expecting a call we ended up having a two-hour conversation about music and the career and what that life looks like and all that stuff and there's just a moment where he told me he's like you could do this if you want and I was like oh it was it was it was crazy it was like I finally realized that this is something that I could actually pursue if I wanted. Mm -hmm. And that sort of flipped the switch for me. And then, you know, not long after I decided after getting a degree in like corporate shit that I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to pursue music. And, um, yeah, I got the opportunity to come over to the, the UK to London based off of my degree, um, working at a corporate company, but i knew going in that I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to mm. explore music and see about playing basketball internationally and, and all that kind of thing. And that's what happened. So, yeah. So what 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 did you um, study? Um, I majored in public policy and I minored in process management and consultants, like consulting, like business stuff. Mm -hmm. Hey, mm -hmm. smart, smart guy. Smart guy. So when you came over to the UK now, mm. you were saying that, was there already an opportunity here waiting for you or was it a scenario where, okay, I'm here and I need to see about finding that opportunity that was connected to I, your- I had an opportunity back home, like mm -hmm. for an internship out of college. So I had an opportunity back home and then um, I had an internship opportunity here, paid internship. Mm -hmm. I'm like, going to London. Out, you know, because mm -hmm. I was always interested in, in house music and kind of curious about electronic music and stuff. You know, I love rap. I love hip hop. That's always at my core and all that kind of stuff. But um, when I was in high school, I would always go to this uh, 
music equipment store. <laughs> like, I would get excited about that, trying mm. to find DJ equipment and speakers and stuff. My mom was like kind enough to take me there every once in a while. And there was a, um, a older black woman who DJed, who worked at that store. And we kind of built a bit of a relationship. She sort of took me under her wing. Mm. And there was one night after I turned 18 and stuff, she invited me to a sort of house party that she was throwing in DC. And it was like three stories, everybody DJing on vinyl and house music. Mm. You know, I'm there with my friend and just like black people enjoying house music. And it was incredible. Mm. And it sort of sparked my curiosity. And then I come to find, and, and, and I knew that it existed in a different way in Europe. I didn't know how, but I knew it. And then I moved to London and I go and, and make a friend through basketball who takes me to black people partying the house music. And it was incredible. And just seeing like the dancing and the DJs and the vibe. And where I came from, certainly at that time, house music wasn't really black people mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. it used it's white to... people it's music. Exactly. Right, right. Not that it didn't used to be. Mm -hmm. But at the time when I was growing up and getting you know interested in music, it, it was ns ns. Mm. And so I wanted to know what the real, real shit was going on. And, and, and it was sick to be able to find that here. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's a big legacy of house music in the UK because my mum was a big house raver. Yeah. Like, let me tell you, mum used to shut it down, secret location raise, hey. getting it in. And she actually, I grew up in a house listening to house. And mm. it's funny because I hated house. Growing <laughs> up, I hated it. And I made this wild statement when I was young, young. And I was like, this music sounds like people that take drugs listening to that. <laughs> I didn't know what the, I, I didn't know nothing about drugs. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. How I knew, I said, well, I think when people when you when you think of electronic music, that's that's the association. I mean, when you're seven years old, like what the fuck do you know? Kind of thing. I was a young no, fuck, but then but it's like many moons later. Turns out in the house rave, it is going off. But the house community, I think, are probably some of the most friendliest community. Yeah. Some of the most welcoming. I found um, I found a lot of joy at a couple of house festivals down in Leicester, mm. in the middle of the woods. It was wild yeah it went, it went the fuck off but saying that now the rouse the when would it have been so so say around like seven eight years ago yeah about seven eight years ago house made a big emergence on the uk scene in terms of like proper commercial yeah really really commercial and i loved it so you had like people like root 97 yeah. um I can't remember what that girl with the ginger hair and she had that song that just went crazy. Jess uh, uh, Right, yes, I yes. DJ at her Brit Awards after party. Woo! All right, we're going to get into <laughs> it. So there was, there was this whole moment where house was popping and I remember yeah. that summer because I was fully in the festival scene at this point yeah. and it was just hard. But what I want to say is it's lovely to see that I'm a piano scene. Ooh, it's, perf it's perfect and perfect timing. Yes. It's like we're missing house music, but we need that, mm -hmm. that diaspora element. There's some, you know, you know there's, the, there's the, it's the ancestry, mm. the, the ancestral sound in um, I'm a piano that will get me. So even the perfect. things when I'm hearing that, <laughs> but that shit sends me off. <laughs> it's just yeah. what you, do you know where I'm coming from. It's yeah. like such cult, deep cultural stuff. And then, brother, I ain't got the footwork. I ain't got the dance moves. Are you crazy? I'm just standing there doing little two steps, shimmying my shoulders, trying to look yeah, cute. But you can. That's, yeah. that's one of the yeah. nice things about it. Huh? But I just love how it's swept and just, it's just, it's caught on. Yeah. And I'm not sure that it's going anywhere anytime soon. I don't either. think so. Mm. You know, mm. like, 
any I feel like any any type of house music it just has staying power because of the way that it's built as a genre it's something you can just vibe to mm -hmm. you know so what genres would you say are like your favorite genres right now I, I guess it's fair to ask right now I I I love most things I think mm -hmm. it'd probably be hard for me to find there might be genres that I'm not as connected or drawn to but I could probably find something within it that I like mm -hmm. um like my brother's really into metal. You know, we'll have, we'll, I know, right? It's crazy, but what we we would be in the car sometimes, and I'm playing him some some rap music or some Jersey Club, and then he's playing me this. I'm like, oh, okay, I like that one. That's cool. Yeah, it's fine. But, sometimes, sometimes it goes off, you know. Yeah, a little. But but I just I love music. Mm. I love listening to it and thinking about how it's constructed and the elements and the creativity and all that kind of thing. But Right now, if I'm thinking about the music that I'm making or stuff that I'm playing in my sets, I always, like I said, I, I love rap music and that's at my core. Um, so a lot of rap music. I also really love and am passionate about Jersey Club music. Mm -hmm. Growing up in Maryland and spending a lot of time in Baltimore playing basketball and listening to Baltimore club music on the radio late night when I'm driving home, mm -hmm. like that was my sort of first introduction to Baltimore Club and Jersey Club at a really early age, around the time that I was starting to DJ as well. So um, I want you to unpack it because you, you, I remember um, you mentioned this Jersey Club business before. I had to go and Google that shit. Yeah. I know, because I had to go and do some research. I was like, I don't know what it is. And then I kind of find the, um, mm. the Instagram page that was kind of supporting. So, like, kind of just for anyone that isn't privy yeah. to, to, to this, kind of just talk us through, man. Um, Jersey club music comes from New Jersey, um, which is a state on the East coast, um, Just of the U S of New York, right? Up that yeah. Side. It's, it's not far from New York. Um, so you'll see it kind of be closely related to like Vogue ballroom music. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of a relative of house music as well. It's, 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 um, one of the signature things about it that, kind of can help you determine is this Jersey Club or not is the beat pattern. It's like the pattern of the kick drum. It goes like dun, 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 dun. Okay. That pattern mm -hmm. is a signature of Jersey Club. A lot of sampling, a lot of chops, a lot of remix, originals of, as well. Vocals, no vocals. Mm -hmm. But it's very much dance music. Um, it's very much black culture. Very, very much New Jersey, you know? Um, and it's related to Baltimore club music, which is from Maryland, which is where I'm from. Um, it's also related to Philly club music. So there's different sort of this club is, genres there. This is completely new to me. I didn't even know that they're like, okay, so I, of course we're aware of different states. And I know that different states hold their whole different identities mm. and people can be a big show and a big timer. Um within their state, it'd be completely famous, mm. although you may not be famous in other states, yeah. right? So I, could, I understand like the prominence of state culture, but I had no I idea that there was like a whole music scene. The only time where I knew that there was probably like kind of like a music scene is Houston. Because mm. I always hear about the Houston yeah. music scene, but outside of it, I really didn't know that. There's so much, like there's New Orleans Bounce, there's DC, go-go music, like, there are, like Wale, you know Wale the rapper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a go-go artist. He's a oh, okay. He was a go-go okay. artist. He's from DC. He was a go-go like my senior year of high school, we booked him to perform at our go-go cuz we do go-go parties through in DC like What's a go-go party? It's 
it's a party. <laughs> Gogo is lit. Um, it's it's a genre of music that's it, it's like live band kind of culture. A lot of percussion, mm-hmm. um, a lot of sort of original music, but also remixes happening. But it's 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 kind of wild because it's like a lot about the percussion a bit derived from like funk music and all that kind of stuff. But in DC, um, all the high schools would kind of throw their own go-go party where they'd, they'd book the bands and they'd come in and people from all the other schools would come mm. together to go to these different go-go parties. And different different schools were known for having the best go-go's and stuff. That, I'm telling you, there's like yeah. a whole part of American culture I'm just learning about. Hey, listen, you're going to have to put there's me so onto some of these- so much to know. You're, like... you're going to have to put me onto some of these um, different music scenes so I can just start to yeah. kind of get the sound. Because actually, the, uh, beyond um, Houston, I know about New Orleans having their own kind of thing. And I'm drawn to that. Yeah, I'm drawn to that kind of jazz, blues, mm. Creole kind of vibe. Like that to me mm-hmm. really calls out, but- I'm de- you got to put me on, man. Come, man. You come on, Taylor. Yeah. You but, like, to- Norland's Bounce is, like, kind of twerk music. Like, I guess the most sort of commercial thing I can point you to is that, that what's the Drake song? Uh, nice for what? I, I, no, is that it? I can't remember. Like, don't quote me. Mm-hmm. I think it's nice for what is the one is... It's got a lot of know you bounce in it type of thing. It's okay. Miami based. It's just tons. And it's it's to the point where throughout the US, people from different states won't necessarily know. Like not right. a lot of people necessarily know about go go music. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people necessarily know about Nor- um Jersey Club. Although now it's kind of blown up with Drake, Lil Uzi Vert, mm-hmm. um, with just wanna rock. Drake was sticky. Sierra was oh, level up. Is that um Ice Spice, like Pink Panthers. Is this is that Jersey Club? Hey, All let me tell stuff. you something. Hold on. Whilst yeah. we're talking about that, um, I just want to rock. Yeah. Because <laughs> Lil Uzi is a strange little guy. He's a strange, and I, I can't, I can't, I, my my spirit don't take to him. There's yeah. something where I'm like, my spirit's like, mm mm. Yeah. That is not for me. But you see, I just want to rock. Hey, 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 hey listen, that's a, what? Yeah. Bridget, listen, you should see me and my girl. We do that shit everywhere. Hey. We were in um this lit luxury, luxury five-star hotel. Hey. Everybody, everybody was in there. Everybody there was 55 and above in terms of the age group yeah. and white. Yeah. So we were, I'm telling you, there was like me and maybe like an other black person mm. there, but that was it. So we were walking around like just that black sexiness doing yeah. the most. So it was our, it was our little thing to do the little dance like everywhere yeah. we could. Listen, believe me, we had these old white people just going for it. Yeah, it was cold. It was fucking sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. But that song's huge. In fact, I need to like touch on why, part of why that song was so huge. Okay. For Jersey Club. Like, because like I said, I've been a fan of Jersey Club for so long. Like I'm a part of a, a platform called Club Jersey. It's one of the biggest um, Jersey Club platforms in the world. Huge YouTube channel, um, label doing releases. We celebrated our 10 year anniversary um, in January, all that kind of thing. And so 
it's been interesting to be pushing Jersey Club internationally and trying to, you know, mm-hmm. trying to tease it into the UK and London and get, and get y'all comfortable with it because it is up tempo music and type of thing. Um, and so it's so interesting to see it finally start to blow on a global and international scale. And Drake kind of, he kind of like warmed it up with Sticky. You know, if Drake's going to do a Jersey Club song, it's going to it's gonna be big, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the cultural significance of Uzi, Lil Uzi Vert doing it, um, he's a Philly boy. He He knows about Philly club music. He he knows about Jersey Club music. He's a dancer. He knows how to dance. He been he been doing this shit. Mm-hmm. And then he links up with MC Vert, who produced the song, who is a Jersey Club producer from Jersey. Like we've been posting his shit on the YouTube platform for years. Mm-hmm. And that link up is kind of iconic in the context of bringing Jersey Club up. Mm-hmm. And the song is getting big. They do the video. In New York, from what I see, and Jersey and New York and Philly, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. And then it goes huge. So after all of these moments of Jersey Club kind of popping up in a commercial and global scale, it first sort of started with Sierra with Level Up, because that song is is a complete- I'm trying to figure, hold on, what's that? All that yummy and Five, my tummy? Four, four three, three, two, one, one let's go. Yeah. Let it, up, hey, yeah, 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 it's big, up. it's big, it's big. But what you, it's you right. might not know is that song is- referenced from um a viral vine track jersey club track mm. called um what is it uh fuck it up and the original goes five four three two one let's go ah fuck it up ah fuck it up ah mm-hmm. fuck it up yeah right, and it's right, like right. you know they're they're qu- they're so similar yeah. so it's it's just been crazy to see and now it's people are doing it on Rap albums, Don Tolliver albums got a Jersey Club song. Like it's now become like labels, even being a producer and a songwriter now and saying labels want Jersey Club remixes, they want Jersey Club music and mm. all that kind of stuff. So it's 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 been crazy to see, but it's cool to see. Mm. Real cool. It's it's, re- it's very cool. Yeah. It's very it's very cool to. I feel like again, I come from a different generation. So like when mm. I would say I was young, quote unquote, right. What was hot and what was fire? I mean, I grew up in a time where Missy Elliott and Timberland were dominating the scene. Yeah, do you know where I'm coming from? In that time, too. The, do you see where I'm coming from? So yeah. when I take in what's going on now, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that I just I, I can't. Mm. But there are certain things where I'm like, I fuck with this heavy. Like um, I spice. She's cold. Fire. Oh, I listen. I she, needed her too. You know, like every once in a while, I need something to yeah. just like infuse, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. in the sets and like in the music. And she was perfect timing. Do you know, like, do you know what? Like it's it's beautiful because right now, it, it, they're, they're, if they're, if we look at music from a very objective point of view, right, and let's say like stateside music, yeah, right. And I think even if you were to look at UK music as well, there are some parallels. Now, what I love is that more people are getting opportunities. Like the, mm. the entry point to getting into music doesn't sit with um, A&Rs anymore, no. um, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. You can build up your own. Stormzy is a very good um, example of building up your own catalog and be- staying independent for a long time where mm-hmm. now they want what you have. It's like, no, don't change. Don't change your thing. Mm-hmm. We want to get behind what you're doing rather than trying to mold you, which yeah. I think is great. However, on the flip side, I think what hurts me the most mm. is the fuckery that's going on because a lot of uh, there are a lot of bodies dropping mm. 
because of what's going on in the music. Mm. You know, and that that hurts me. And I'll never say that it's music's fault mm. because even without the music, there will still be beef. Yeah. There will still be, it's, but again, it's how it's translating. And I feel that we're at a time right now where the youngsters are more provocative with it. They're more disrespectful. They will talk about your dead bro and tell you I'm outside. <laughs> like that's what, You see, when I was young, you're not being seen again after say, doing something like that. And you, your disappearance even means you've come up short or you're shook to come outside again. You've had a you've had a strong talking to and you've just <laughs> retreat. Do you know where I'm coming from? So yeah. there is um I find it interesting to see how young people are utilizing music and, and so on. But what are your thoughts in, in, in terms of violence in music? How does that sit with you? I mean, I I I I think that ideally we want that shit to be separate and we mm. want violence to be non existent, but Life is life, you know? Mm. Um, and I guess music is an outlet. And a lot of times we might want to censor things. But I think one of the things that I've learned being a musician is that censorship kind of kills the creativity. Mm -hmm. So it's a shame when that can um, lead to negative shit in the real world. Like, we don't, that's not what music is supposed to be about. We don't want that shit. Mm. Um, I think one of the interesting things though that I've seen is like how it's being like lyrics are being used in in legal situations, you know? I, that part yeah. is is fucked to me. Like that that I cannot I don't. Well, yeah, talk talking about your opinions on I mean, that. I I like I I think that where it's coming from is not a place of let's try and help these situations and mm. minimize violence. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think that there are other ways to approach that, probably. Mm -hmm. um, but given where it's coming from, it, it does it does feel like a very sort of uh, racially motivated situation that's not actually leading to helping people. Mm. And there are people that are trying to make a life through music where they can become successful and put themselves into better situations. And now this legal situation is just dragging them back down and I think that it's 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 fucked I think there are other ways to help out if we want to try and other more productive and like genuine ways to help out for trying to mm -hmm. those you know. courts ain't trying to help exactly that, especially especially like give give more studios help mm. people make more music you know and spend mm -hmm. their time doing that rather than doing other than being out yeah know? yeah it's crazy how I, where do I stand on that I, it's it's a difficult one. I find it like a catch twenty two, because yeah. if I go and do X Y and Z, mm. when I'm doing X Y and Z, it's ir ir uh, regardless of the context or whatever, mm. I know what I'm doing is fuckery. Yeah, right? and so now I'm now going to go and take myself and talk about that within a recorded environment. Mm. It's a mystery to me. There ain't no way. Yeah. Because I grew up in a time where we didn't even have camera phones like that. Camera yeah. phones dropped and I was like, I don't know, 17, 18 or something like that. So that to me is madness yeah. that that you would even put yourself in that position in the first place because now you've left yourself open to the elements. Yeah. Whoever decides to run with that message and do whatever they want to do, whether that's your ops, whether that's um, the criminal justice system, whether that's social services or mm. child protection, but it, you leave it open. So uh, to me, leaving- I hear what you're saying in that regard completely. Do you get wrong? So leave I think that's like the artist needs yes. to decide and make a smart decision yes. in that regard. Is that, exactly. I think 
these other parties that don't give a fuck about the artists or the community or the music or anything. I don't I don't, I don't like what they trying to do because it's not real. No, but no. if if like if you have an artist and their family is like this isn't good for you and they're not thinking and they're making decisions that are gonna fuck up their future, like hundred percent, I agree. Yeah. Like, should you be necessarily like you know? Exposing yourself to vulnerability with the law and all that shit, and and, you, and when you know good and well, they don't rock with you. They're yeah. they're they're sitting here waiting with their little paper and clipboard, mm. ready to write you up as soon as. And you know, like one thing that I heard in a session, I'm not going to mention who, but working mm. with um like a fairly prominent rapper who was in prison mm -hmm. and has come out talking about the situation, like uh of him going through the processes and being in court and things like it's I think they were saying that um that a video got posted of a situation right and the the police is in the comments of the video saying oh what happened oh who's this all that all that so hey, not him and, and and the people replying to the comments are doing the fucking investigation for them. So it's you you're right. You got to be fucking careful. You, you, the, the, it, like, it, it, in this day and age it's inexcusable because yeah. the consequence is too high. But and I, and, 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 that's, and that's that's coming from the personal side and this yeah. is me caring for my fellow creators, my fellow black people, my fellow people of color because like we we just got to be high, high we've almost got to have a sense of paranoia. Mm -hmm. And then operate in reverse. Yeah. But what I will say is this though. Yeah. Um, especially in the States, I'm noticing it more with the States, and I feel like the UK have started to follow when you mm -hmm. see the lights of, for example, what happened with um what's my brother's name? Lowski mm. and stuff. And I think you could look at um uh what um group is um the rapper six seven from? Mm. Shit is for it's just get well put it this yeah. way. There's a lot of drill, okay. there's a lot of drill groups and a lot of drill man that they're inside jail. They're mm. not actually out here making music. Mm. And the whole premise of even this conversation is music. Mm. So it seems crazy to me that I'm talking about jail mm. when I'm supposed to be talking about you as an artist and you're not even in a position to make music right now. Yeah. But anyway, I've kind of gone on a tangent. But what I have right. noticed is that the criminal justice system clocked on that, yeah, the 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 hunting ground. Is now in the music. So yeah. you see, when you're seeing people getting pulled up on Rico, Re, is it Rico? Rico charges. Rico charges yeah, yeah, and stuff like. I think six nine was a very one of the first very visible situations on a global level where you're like, oh, mm. oh, okay, all of this clout chasing, yeah, and all this <laughs> clowning around on the internet and doing stupid. Like, yeah. this is actually catching up. Then, um, is it? Um, I'm so bad with names. You're gonna have to correct me. Is it NWA Youngboy? That was in the courthouse the other day. No, and, Young and, Thug. Yeah, Young Thug. It was Young Thug. It was Young Thug. That was Young Thug. That court case was brazy. That was brazy. I couldn't believe it. Mm. But when you're looking at, um, there's a, um, a documentary on BBC Three. It came out during lockdown, and it was about a particular drill artist and how the how the police were just on him, and one of his one of his biggest. I think it may have been his introductory song in, or his break. The song that broke. Um, that made him visible, I should say. The police were onto him. They were looking at the lyrics. They were like, nope, we're not having that. And man yeah. was having to write in riddles 
just to get around it. Exactly. That 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 part, because I think that Digger D had that for a while. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was in this song, you know the song, Wait, 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 wait. That song fire. Right. And the thing, do you I'm, know I'm kind of impressed though, because it like challenges you as a writer. Do you know, do you, yeah. It's not fair. <laughs> but do you know, but then but then do you know why I look at the British criminal justice system? Man says, um, who's that my man? Jump out for a man. Why is he leaving his right hand? Hey, come back and back your boy. Yeah. So how, even though man's talking in riddles, it's clear as daylight. And this yeah. is where I think to myself that they might as well just fall back because man's saying what he needs to say anyway. Just in different words. And, that and we they fully probably understood. can't even decode. Like they're sitting right. there like trying to find right. folks to translate for them. Right. And this it. is where your point, mate, where your, where your point busts his case now. In the, they just need to stay out of it. Because what they're trying to do and what they're trying to control, they can't control. Mm-hmm. Man said, jump up, rise this toy. Wait, what? Like, what are we doing? Like, do you know, do you know Listen, how greasy those bars are? You, you, one thing you can't fuck with is a person of color's creativity. And that shit's always going to find a way. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, it's been proven over mm-hmm. since the beginning of time. So, But um, drawing back, we digress. So we're talking about, you're like, your favorite genres right now. So... So, so is there any, were there any, any other genres that we hadn't covered? Rap. I like everything. Rap, Jersey Club. I'm excited about Biley Funk. Like, like. Um, hey, hey, hey. It was you, something you posted that I said that we need to be going. Yeah. There was um, a certain event that, um because Biley Funk is like, the is Brazilian, the Brazilian. Brazilian music. Mm. And you, it's, all, it's kind of music from the ends as well. It's not necessarily... Mm. Oh, it's, it probably is commercial, but it doesn't come from a commercial place. It comes from the ends. And it's quite an ethnic yeah. sound as well when you're thinking about black Brazilians, Brazilians of culture and stuff. Yeah. So like talk on talk talk on how you even got into that. Um my partner got me into it. Okay. Like my music taste, I cannot like it's it's influenced by my friends, you know, my family, but my partner has impeccable taste Mm -hmm. so um i mean we've always been aware of it and sort of engaged with it over the years and you know sort of the the height of the soundcloud era Mm. um is quite popular to sample bile funk um rhythms and things Mm. so it's always been something that i've liked but to really get into real funk and 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 understand a bit more about the culture and where it really comes from and the Mm. sound system shit around it um, that's been recent because she visited Rio, uh, I think, a year or two ago, um, and and experienced it in in real life. So I went out. Um, we went out in January, went to Rio during Carnival, right. and we're we're experiencing the sound systems. You know, we have friends and and things that live in the favela. We're going to the favela parties, experiencing like the real shit, and that that music goes, it hits. <laughs> shit is hard. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it was something that I really needed as well, just in terms of as a DJ and as somebody that needs to be constantly like excited about new music. It's like the way that bass hits and all that shit, I'm like, like it's gnarly too. The production is, is raw, but it knocks. And that alongside with Jersey Club and all this kind of stuff that I really just like music that makes people dance and like just, go off mm-hmm. and go hard. So um that's kind of how I, I got into Bailey Funk and um especially going to Rio and experiencing it, you know, like firsthand for real. Because mm-hmm. one thing that I, I feel like is you can't really know a genre truly 
from afar. You can do as much as you can to explore, but you really have to be in it to understand the vibe, understand the people that go, how they respond, what songs they pop off to, how they dance to it, all that kind of shit. Mm. Like that was my experience with Grime when I first moved to the UK. I listened to it. It was unfamiliar to me. I really loved the instrumentation, like the production. The the way that they rapped was so different from what I was used to, you know, in terms of American hip hop and American rap. So I went to some grime raves and things, and I was like, okay, I understand what's going on here. This is crazy. This is sick, mm. you know? So, um, yeah, I really like to actually be able to go in and explore the different genres, you know, where they exist for mm. real. It was interesting you started to talk about like your experience of um, grime um, when you came over because I quite frequently watch American reactions to UK grime. <laughs> and one of my favorite all time reactions is uh, Americans reacting to um, Class of Deja, which had Kano, mm. D Double E, and um, Gets. Uh. Yeah, of course. Up until look, I get goosebumps just talking about that song. That is just so firing. It's it's interesting because I remember when um when Drake did the kissing my teeth with gigs, and in the states, yeah. some of these people weren't sure. They were like, "What's what's 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 gigs doing?" Like they yeah. couldn't quite get it. Yeah. And but in the but UK, he went crazy. but in the UK, it was, it was hard. When my man said Batman, Fucking get me mad. No, no killed it. I listen then. And Giggs is like one of my favorite UK rappers. Of what? Hey. That was legendary times. That collab. Jesus Christ. That was legendary. so fire. Like I've seen them. I've seen um that track pop down the club till I'm like, I don't know if we're all getting out of here. Yeah, no. I don't, like, yeah, yeah, it gets you just got crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um yeah. I remember when Drake jumped on Dave's, like, whoa. Mm. I liked, because um, I knew the song, just Dave, original. Mm. Um, Drake wasn't on it yet. And I saw him perform at, I think it was Skepta's. He opened up for Skepta down at Alexandra Palace, yeah? Mm. And so I just had an operation. My face was fucked up. I said, I'm outside. I don't care. I'm outside. Yeah. So I like this song, like, whoa, 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 like, whoa, a month ago, he didn't want to know. And then, but yeah. when I heard Drake coming, I said, hold on a minute now. <laughs> He's done it kind of nice. And I, I yeah. liked, I, I really started to, I enjoyed seeing Drake just dabbling in the UK scene. Yeah. yeah. He does this thing where he comes and fucks off, but I'm like, do you know what, what you did create? Yeah. I fucking, I, I really, really respect it, man. Yeah. It seems like he's always... Um... I had a love for the UK and shit. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think there's something to be said about the Canadian culture and the UK there's culture. There's a connection there. It's something that I've never understood because I don't know too much about Canada. It's um, my ex is from Toronto. So like I had an sort of idea early on that that connection sort of existed. And mm. there's a big culture of um, Caribbean culture out there. Um, Got it. Asian culture and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. very much kind of linked with the UK in a similar way. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Not, as soon as you said there's a big Caribbean culture, I'm like, because the same people came here. Exactly. I got, I got, I got that it. type of thing. So when you, so I want to kind of do some, um, some exploring into your experience being in the UK because you came here grown. Do you know where I'm coming from? It's not like you came here kind of. in year 10. Because <laughs> yeah. you get a lot of people that come during high school. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But you've come slightly at a, a more, you've come at a slightly later date in terms of your age. Mm. So when you came to the UK, had you been to the UK before or was it like your first experience? This is my first time. What, yeah. what were you thinking? What, like the first, let's just say like the first 72 hours. I think I was like, I'm free. <laughs> because, you know, I I love basketball and, you know, I loved a lot of things about my life. You know, I, I don't have complaints there. But I think it was definitely um, a new stage for me because I was really able to sort of um, explore myself in a way that was less restricted. I didn't have... Um, um, I didn't have the sort of regulations around when I have to go to practice, when I have to go to sleep. I can't really, you know, I can go out one day a week maybe. I can't go have too much fun, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. So when I first moved here, that was all released for the first time in my life. So I would, and, and there's this crazy club culture here, crazy DJ culture that, DJ, like DC is sick, but it's not the same. And all types, any type of music, anything, any type of event, it exists here. And the queer community here is completely different. Mm. Like, all Let's the talk about that. What yeah. are some of the, the differences that you observe? I think that, um, I think that for one in London, the, the queer partying is just, it's just, it's a different level. Mm. You know, there, there are queer parties in DC, but um, as with most places, it's harder to find lesbian parties or parties for women and things like that. Mm. Uh, certainly good ones as well. Here, you've got, you've got your standard kind of like run-of-the-mill queer parties and, you know, mm -hmm. playing commercial music and all that kind of stuff, which is cool and you can have fun there. But then you've got, you know, your other, your other queer parties that are really conscious of, um, their policies and their safe spaces and really about niche music and being able to like explore things as a music head and a queer person at the same time. Mm -hmm. And also spaces for people of color and, and prioritizing that and not just being one of those or two parties. There's right. a lot. I get you. I you get know? you. Yeah. So it was a much bigger um, and more established community. And also just being, being, queer in, in, in London specifically is much more um, standard and comfortable, I'd say, than in DC. I don't, it's not, it's not just, DC is a, a, a liberal spot. Mm -hmm. um, the high school that I went to was quite liberal. So I'm not gonna say that you can't be gay there and mm -hmm. stuff, but um, some of the things that I saw when I first moved here, I was like, whoa, what, like I'm in Shoreditch and you know, there's girls walking down the street holding hands. There's a group of like gays just like dancing to their, the, mm. you know, their Bluetooth speaker. I see some woman wearing like it, blonde hair, all pink outfit, like latex, and and <laughs> and a dog dyed pink. You know, this, these shit. Are, yeah, yeah. These are things that I I would not see where I came from. Like this is not yeah. standard for me. And it's like you can just kind of be what you want to be mm -hmm. like in i know that there's pockets where it's not like that mm -hmm. even in london but um there are places you can go to and it can be like that yeah there's an abundance yeah we, we are we are genuinely spoiled and i think that if we were to go anyone that come that's been raised in london when you go mm -hmm. out you have to accept that 
you got to move a bit different or you have to at least yes. just be aware. And accept that it's going to be different. Mm. There may be significantly less and you have to be more intentional about finding things because yeah. you could just go on Instagram and if your algorithm's right... You're going to see it all. You yeah. are, you've got motives every week yeah. coming up on your stuff, which exactly. helps and there's a lot of communities. And even like you said, with the policies and... um. The considerations, that's something over the years I definitely I have definitely seen um some more thought into that space. So for, so for example, yeah. you can go to these raised by yourself and they've got like a buddy program exactly. type thing. So you which which didn't exist before and I love that because there's so much more care put into mm. the experience. And that's part of why I love queer parties so much, because mm -hmm. I think that that is a very sort of I think that that's something that is quite specifically queer in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. i i don't see it as much or as prevalent in other parties I'm, I'm seeing other parties starting to implement these policies and things but who started it is yeah. the queer community mm -hmm. it's like we want you know we want people to listen to good music you know find people to connect with make friends hook up whatever the fuck but like what is being more conscious and thoughtful about the overall experience mm. when you come to this event. And there's also, you know, there's other stuff happening too. There's sober events that, that are being put on for, 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 um, those that want to take a break from just getting lit all the fucking time. You know, there's other community types of events that are quite prevalent, speed dating, whatever the hell, all this type of other, just really yeah. sort of creative and thoughtful things that are happening, which is cool. Mm. Mm, uh, it's it's definitely needed, like you said. I'm 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 part of the committee that wants to chill. Like I said, I, I come in and out, but well, there's something bro, for you, bro. I was, you see, when you think of like a Travis a Travis Scott gig, how it turned, I was turned. Hey, yeah, I'm turned. Like I'm on. This is why <laughs> I had to step out because I said I'm too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm too much. I don't know when I'm 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 the last one to leave. I'm too lit to turn down. I'm the I'm the highest in the room. I'm the littest in the room. Go I'm ahead. That, you know, so I, when, when I stepped away from that scene, yeah. having that sober space of having ways to have fun and connect meant everything. So you didn't have to leave it all behind. Right, because yeah. there, and there was a transitional time where there was nothing. Mm. There was nothing because I couldn't go into those spaces because let me have one shot. It's a write-off from the end. It's like it, things go downhill so quick. <laughs> well, now um, I know. From now on, I'll give you half a shot. Yeah, okay. bro. That's, that's, that's what you think. There. Next thing yeah. you know, I'm, le I'm sitting on the bar of a bottle of Prosecco just downing it with some random girl. And I'm like, yeah. it's not even my drink. Listen. Who does that? You got to be careful. With, if you you got to be careful with me because I'm, I'm going to have the Henny bottle. Like, <laughs> hey, come on. So you just like be like, listen, Taylor, I love you, but no. <laughs> not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> but... um. So there's a lot of from from my from my seat and when I'm kind of looking overseas, uh, I've got a deep people, black British people in the UK have got a lot of love for black African Americans. Mm. That is a fact. I'm like, listen, we will on many times we've taken up Yuzot's plight of struggle and been doing activism and talking up the things and saying that this yeah. because we're not at the same level of risk. Like for someone just to get shot and killed by a police officer like that here, we would be shocked. Yeah. Like first and foremost, of that and that's not to say that there haven't been incidences, but that's the right. the situation. It's incidences. It's not a life, it's not uh environmental situation that we're consistently used to. Yeah. Uh it, it it's it's not and I wondered, like, how did you feel living over in the States? Did you feel comfortable? Did you feel safe? Because I'm mindful that sometimes things are polarised. So what we see over here, we're like, 
shit, like this is fucked up. But the actual day-to-day experience may feel very different. So I just wanted to hear a little bit around what was your experience growing up living in the States as a brown-skinned person? Mm. Um, I mean, I imagine it was different. Um, I think one th- one thing, and I guess maybe another culture shock that I didn't expect is how comfortable y'all y'all are around the police because that's not how it was with me like i remember there was a time i I was heading to a show um with some friends and there's some police standing on the side of the road and the way that i was raised and that i'm accustomed to behaving is i'm aware that's there i'm going to move as as quickly as in the way to make draw the least attention to myself not going Mm -hmm. to engage far away mm-hmm. you know i i do not want to be near the police i just don't i don't want to put myself in any sort of situation where they want to engage with me in any way mm. so i'm straight lining to the entrance to the club let's go inside meanwhile my some of my british friends are like ah, you know kind of taunting them like talking shit mm. you know and in my head i'm like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it, it, stop fucking around. Don't fuck around. Mm. And also, like, I'm trying to go to work. Like, I don't. This is. I'm. I'm like. I'm on edge. Mm. You know. Um. Because I. You just don't need that unnecessarily. Especially, you know. There's nothing going on. Mm. Let's not make anything happen. But I think that was a culture shock. Recognizing that that is the. Um, uh, that is the nature of the relationship with the police here. I know that the police do fucked up shit here too, of course. Um, but in a way, like it's good that you can feel safe enough to be able to even just, if you're too drunk, behave that way and not have to fear for your life, you know? <laughs> um, but growing up, yeah, you know, I have a younger brother. Um, he has to be really careful. He's been pulled up times. And it's been really scary. Like I've been in the car, and my dad's gotten pulled up, and you can just feel the, mm. you can feel the fear and the tension, and and fucked up shits happened before. Um, even me, just on my own, you know. Um, but my parents gave us a talk. They told us how to, how to deal. Um, if you come across the cops and. What's the, the what's the can. kind of brief that your parents would have given you in how to navigate um, interactions with the pigs? Um, be as be as uh, polite and uh, non confrontational and prepared as possible. Mm-hmm. And that it, you know, it, as a black person, that never feels good. And and sometimes like it's that experience alone is just really difficult to have to feel like you have to do. Mm. But it's like what what do you want? Do you want to live or mm. or or not? Do you want to get put in prison for a night? And like what do you, you know? It's like you got to weigh it up. Because the police officers in the UK, I probably would say to me, they're wet. They are so mo- they are moist. They like, don't have they're guns, man. They're, they're don't not, get fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. They're a lot. And of I've them, seen some of them. They are not. They're not about it. They're not. They're not can, scary. No, there's there. Are, I would say there's a certain percentage that are. They are thugs. Yeah. They're 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 absolute thugs, and 
even with even just on their own, they're they're on some fuck shit, mm-hmm. right? You, you let them catch you around the corner, you you will soon know mm-hmm. they'll give you a good hiding. Mm-hmm. But by and large, they haven't got the same audacity and the same chest plate mm-hmm. that I see some of these. A lot of these American officers, they, they don't m- give a fuck. No, nah, those men there. I'm sorry, they are serious. As in, even just like the 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 approach, the tone, mm. the stance. Because I am, um, I'm a big fan of. Do you know anything about um, auditors, that like police auditors and stuff like that? Mm, so basically, know. there's people. They I've I watched them here, UK based and in the states and. They basically, what they do is audit the police and they will do certain things to get a certain reaction so they can reinforce the police, they can reinforce the law. So the auditors can reinforce okay. the law. So, so it's like so going they're, to- Okay, they're, so they're the checks and balances to make sure the police are doing what they need to be doing Ish. properly. Right, right. But it's kind of wild how they do it. So they will go, say now, just got pulling up to a police station and just recording outside. Just recording, walking around, and they'll be like, "Why are you doing that? You can't be doing that." Like, yes, I, saw I can. A video of that. Happening. Yeah, they're like, "Yes, I can." They're like, "This is public. This is the public I've highway." I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they will challenge, and they're going head to head, and the police are getting pissed. Yeah, they're fuming, and you see them on some tyrant shit. On yeah. they're they're this close to someone, and they're like, "Why are you getting this close?" And but these people know the law. They know the law in and out. But it's like the level of audacity that I see these American police police go with. In America, they're more passive aggressive and want to win an argument and want to oh well you think you're smart or I don't know oh so you think you know no why don't you tell me about you know this kind of Mm -hmm. the American one's like you want to get booked boy I'm like Jesus it's fucking scary I'm like you sort of going on like you've just got infinite gels and all of these gels you're taking everyone yeah do you know what I'm saying like they're they're not they don't they're not scared at all to do fuck shit they are outside. They are. I mean, you know, like obviously, I, I, I have friends whose family members are police, like mm. black police, and and things like that. I, I never want to say that all the fucking police are fucked and twisted because it's not true. And there are those that go into it that want to try and change shit. But it's such a deeply um, flawed uh, organization that is hard to do that and. Mm. Fucked up shit goes on too much, and there's a lot of power and security that they have. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and so it's just, it's a really difficult thing, and it's really depressing that kids have to wait, like, grow up and have their parents tell them that they need to, like, just try to behave to make sure they can get out safely of a situation from somebody that's meant to be keeping you safe. Absolutely, yeah. you know. Do you know what? Um, kind of put me on the back foot a little bit. You know the Sandra Bland scenario? Mm. Because, and and why that made, got me a bit stressed was because she didn't signal or something like that. There was some kind of traffic, mild, very mild Minor. traffic offense, which resulted in that. Now, if I decide to go and take myself to the States on a vacation and start driving, and then I get pulled up, Jesus Christ, bruh, let me tell you something. Huh. I, my heart would be in my neck, Rubwe. I would be terrified. And the thing is, you know them ones where you don't even know the protocol? Because I'm from the UK, I don't want to respond with a UK mentality. No, and then, do that. And, then, and you know them ones don't like, for example, you see, in a, um, if you get stopped by the police, you're allowed to get out of the car. In England, you can get out of the car and whatnot. You can get out and stand by the side on the pavement and have the conversation. In America, you see if you fling open that car door too quick, pow, 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 pow. You are... T- 
Brethren. Move slow. Keep fam. your hands in sight. I'm like, like, I'm, like, I'm from the country of King Charles. I'm, like, I'm English. I'm, I, don't know the, I don't know the rules. I don't know the rules. Listen to my accent. I've got a red book. Like, Imagine if, like, if Americans started practicing and just creating a really good British accent yeah. so that in those situations, it's just like... I don't know. I'm, I'm not from here. I'm, this is what scares me because I'm like, they're not going to know. The, they can't look at me and know the difference that I'm not from the States. No, certainly not. They, they will not be able not to tell first. the difference. Yeah. And I just don't, it just worries me that I don't know the protocol. And I they, 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 these men don't ask no questions. They don't ask a single thing. It's act now, talk later. I ain't got it in me. I mean, they'll, if, if you're getting pulled over for a traffic thing, they're going to ask for your license and registration. <coughs> Do you know why I'm pulling you over? Like all that type of shit. Like in um, 99 Problems. Pro- yeah. Yeah, yeah, son. You know I'm stopping you because I'm young and I'm black and my hat's real low. Literally. Do I look like I'm Irene the Yo? I don't know. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. exactly it. And it's mm. funny when you get that question. It's like, okay, did I was I speeding? Do I want to say I was speeding? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, do yeah. I want to admit? But all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like, is there anything... Within the Black British culture, that when you first came here, it took you by surprise. You're like, damn, I, I wasn't expecting that, or it took a bit of time to adjust. Um, mm, I mean, just learning the slang because I wasn't familiar. Right, right, right. So right, I think right. that was that's been interesting and and mm. and and fun. You know, just to learn about, just to be able to be immersed in a different type of Black culture. Right, um, right, right. Cause I didn't, I didn't really have expectations when I moved here, um, but yeah, I think I think that, that learning about the swag and different types of styles and all that kind of stuff, mm. like the tracksuit and all this, all this type of shit. You know, and I you ain't got to tell me. I know you're cashing in with that accent. What? All you need to do is drop the hey, what's going on, baby? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you imagine know? if I said that? Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, you need some new lines. Let me help you out. Do you know? There's another. It's funny because there's. I only know two American mass presenting people. Another person's called Taylor as well. Really? I never DJ. Shout out Taylor Ali. That's my young yeah. G from way back. I actually need to get you down here, man. Yeah. But um, thank you, parents, for giving me a uh, what is it, androgynous name? They did well, Bruh. <laughs> Mine's Megan Rebecca. I said, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And you know, it's mad because we see when I go to appointments and they're like, Megan, Megan. And then I stand up. It's like they they will say it again, even though I'm in front of them. I'm like, <laughs> hey, boo. <laughs> uh, they almost named me, um, what was it? Mackenzie, I think. Even that can kind of pattern. Yeah. Even, even that's still got a kind of. Yeah, but no. When I think about um, Americans, though, when I think about Mackenzie, I think about. The type of girl that would be called Britney. Yeah, it was they did they did good. Thank you. Thank you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> so. Um <laughs> so for the next for this year, you know, think about June till December, what should the people be looking out for? Where are you gonna be? What are you working on? Ooh. Um, I need my calendar. That's like my my Bible. Mm-hmm. Um but well tonight I'm DJing, DJing at Bunda um in Dalston. Y'all should come, by the way. What type I of thing you. is it? Um, it queer thing, straight thing. I think it's like I think it's queer, but it, you know, it's not saying that it's queer. Mm-hmm. So I think it will be very queer, but probably inclusive, open. Yeah, I think it'll be that type of vibe. Um, Mapiano, Jersey Club, hip hop, 
Afro beats, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be, I think that's going to be a fun night. Mm. A good chunk of the crew is coming, so that always means it's going to be a fun night. Um, I am I am traveling to Greece next week on Tuesday, I think. Uh, I've got a festival show with IMDDB, um, and that's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, it, from what I can see, it's big festival. We're going to be sharing the stage with Central C, Rosalia, I think... Uh, I can't I can't remember, but it's it's a lot of stuff, so let me get some sleep, try to find the time to prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Um uh I'm DJing at a party called Pussy Rap in July. Perfect. <laughs> Wait, this has to be quick. It's like my dream come true. Is it a queer thing? Uh you know thing? what? I don't think that it's exclusively queer. Okay, because you know we I was about to say we always have some flamboyant names for these events. We do. But what's We're this? We're very one good called? at that. It's called Pussy Rap. Okay. You know it. I mean, when I when I hear that, I know exactly what that means. It's perfect. But um, <laughs> pum pum free up. But like um, but they highlight female rappers a lot, and I run a party um, with um two people who are close to me, and it's called Vibrate, and um, it's it's very much the same type of vibe. Female rappers, um, Vibrate does a lot more kind of emerging club so- sounds, Miley mm-hmm. Funk, Jersey Club, Mappiano, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. From what I um like pussy rap, female lit rappers. Um, it's a homie from Houston who's flying out um to the UK to do the first their first London party. Um, she's done boiler rooms, all that kind of stuff. So it's gonna be lit. And I there's there's just there's tons of shit going on all the time. Like mm. you know, I mean, I'm just trying to keep up. I'm working on music. There's some sick new stuff that I'm gonna be dropping in the coming months. Um, you got tracks on Spotify, right? I see tracks that you're promoting Flex. Yeah, right of now. course, Flex um, came out. But I'm also just I'm building my team, and I've been spending a lot of time really focusing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's coming together in a really serious way. So I'm 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 excited for what's to come soon. And and yeah. Um, and make sure you send out some invites to me and D. Listen, you know, we'll touch down and... <laughs> Half a shot. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a full shot for you? <laughs> All right, full shot over here. Hey, Half listen, a shot here, we good. I got a uh, behavior management program already <laughs> before we even reached the event. But no, yeah. definitely um, send some links over to the things that you're doing so we can follow you, we can um, repost and support the thing. Appreciate we can definitely that. come down to certain things when we're around. It'll be... It'll be lit, man. You're good people. It's been a fantastic conversation. So are you. Thank you. Thank you for um, having me. But let the people them know where to find you. Plug your socials and all of that. Okay. All good. This has been fun. You definitely woke up my brain early on a Saturday. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? You should, where are you getting these tattoos? Is this what? Carl Carney? Carl Carney, yeah. Bro, hey, listen. Fam, let me tell you something. I had my first Carl Carney suit mm. when I was in primary school. So hey. I would have been like year five. I had this, it was like a, like a teal, dark green Sorry. type thing, yeah? And it was like a waistcoat and it had like some checked thing and some baggy okay. shorts. Bro, I went, I, I, and I had my hair curled with some big earrings. I went it's and Janet, like swaggy I, as fuck fam, today. I went to this, um, my brother had a party and it was like a theme party, dresses who you want to come. I came as Janet Jackson in my cold Carly suit in my little button down shirt. Cause it was cold. It was a hey. whole fucking pattern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I, li- I like these. You ready for us to Thank do that?
All right. Um, yeah, let the people them know where to find you, plug your social media. Um, I'm everywhere I think that I'm supposed to be. Uh Instagram, TikTok, SoundCloud, Spotify, all that shit. I'm Taylor Made with two Y's. So that's T-A-Y-Y-L-O-R-M-A-D-E. You can find me on Instagram as Taylor Made It. And yeah, just come join us lit, man. <laughs> yeah, man. And Peeps, you know where to find me, Make Talks Online on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, yeah, Taylor, it's been absolutely wicked having you down. And yeah, keep an eye out for some content because just like with Donny Sunshine, we've got we've now got another um, DJ that we're really fond of. So we'll definitely be hanging out and having some fun, man. Yeah. Um, and folks, just before, and just before we wrap up, if you've enjoyed this episode or you've enjoyed any of the content that we put out, make sure just to leave a review um, on the platform that you're listening to. Make sure you head over to TikTok, Instagram, hit that like button. It helps with the algorithm. It helps to expand. You know, it allows more people to tune into the content that we're all enjoying together. So I appreciate you. Have a cracking week. And yeah, we're out. <laughs> <laughs>